The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. We carry on through our day as if everything is just fine. But for many of us, it's merely a mask covering up all the emotion simmering just under the surface. Welcome to Stories from the Heart of Leadership with Shamin Sadiq. In this program, you'll hear from others who face the same adversities in life as the rest of us. But these individuals have redirected their energies to creating extraordinary ideas and concepts. Find out what they are and what's behind the motive. Now, here is your host, Shamin Sadiq. Hello, and welcome to Stories from the Heart of Leadership. I'm your host, Shamin Sadiq, and you're listening to us today on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. So last week, we had a conversation with Jim Anderson and Dan Holden about the grace of not knowing, and I invited you to let that extraordinary conversation as a whole simmer in the pot over the week. Well, it was certainly simmering away with me. I spent the week last week in Chicago. I was there. I had a power circle on the first day, and then I was teaching a leadership circle profile certification for the remainder of the week. It was a rich, rich, full week. Every day I was up at about 6 in the morning and didn't really get back into my hotel room to be by myself until 9 o'clock at night. And then I came home on Friday. I got home really late. And I had a very, very busy weekend. I have a 13-year-old who um, turned 13 actually on Saturday and had a birthday party here. And then with Mother's Day yesterday, my entire family visited. And that was, um, was extraordinary and wonderful. And I was pretty tired by the time they got here. So I noticed this morning when I woke up that I felt a bit uh, tired would be putting it mildly wiped, wiped out. And I wondered, how am I going to do my show today? I am so tired and poor, my poor guest who's so excited about the show and I'm not going to be, you know, up to par because I'm tired. And then I remembered, I remembered something that we talked about last week and has been sort of a thread throughout the last few years for me. And it is that I continually forget that I'm not, I, I forget that I'm enough. I think that I'm not enough. I think I'm not enough if I'm not totally on the ball, if I'm not 100%, if I'm not absolutely rested and 100% on my game. And I'm reminded over and over by these experiences, actually, of having to do something even when I'm tired, that I am enough just as I am. And that even if I'm feeling a bit drowsy and lethargic today, I can still do the show. I can still be a host. I can still play the role that I'm here to play. And I can still be the me that I really, really am. And I wanted to start with that because about an hour before the show, my producer called me. We were talking about some other matter and I was telling him how tired I was. And he said, why don't you go have a nap? Because, you know, there's lots of research that says having a little cat nap can be really helpful. And I said, yeah, thanks. I got it. And um, I'm actually going to do it without. 
I'm going to trust that I am enough even if I'm a bit tired. So here I am. I mentioned that I had kids here on the weekend. We had a house full of teenagers for a few hours, and I was watching them. I was, I was observing them together. Now, I was told to kind of back off and not to embarrass anybody, and these are kids that I am in contact with regularly because I teach a program at their school once a month. But what I noticed was that um, little things go a long way. I was watching these kids, and I noticed that something that that has been acknowledged in them stays with them. If somebody's told that they're good at something, then they feel good about themselves. If somebody uh, may, uh, achieves something that was hard for them to achieve and overcomes some challenges, and someone in their life notices that, it makes a difference. It has a lasting impact. And I've been reading about this. Um, I was reading a book on the airplane last week called Buddha's Brain, The Practical Neuroscience of Happiness, Love, and Wisdom. It's by Rick Hansen and uh, with Richard Mendius. Uh, Here's what they say. They say that positive feelings have benefits that translate to our bodies. They can translate into stronger immune system, uh, some cardiovascular benefits. Positive feelings lift our mood, make us more optimistic, and increase our resilience. And in fact, they say... Uh, and I'm going to quote from the book here, if children are part of your life, encourage them to pause for a moment at the end of the day to remember what went well and think about things that made them happy. Then have those positive feelings and thoughts sink in. And I just blew my mind because how much time do we spend telling people how they need to be better, telling our kids where they've fallen down, and I'm no different, I do that too, telling them they're not enough, When actually what we could do is encourage them to pause. Think about what went well. What did I do today that went really well? What happened today that made me really, really happy? That's it. No corresponding thing to work on. Just what felt really good. Which brings us to the topic for today, which is that of being seen. And my my dear friend, Laura Lesher, agreed to join me here today. And she chose this topic of being seen And it made me think about a time, uh, not too long ago, a few months ago actually, I was in a workshop and somebody asked us to tell a story of a time when you were seen, when someone noticed you. And I thought I might start the show today by, by telling this story that I wrote when that question was asked. So here it is. When I was nine years old, we moved from Toronto to Kingston with our new family, my dad, my brother, myself, and my new stepmother and stepsister. It was a big move away from my mother who we would visit every second weekend. We traveled by train back to Toronto and to a new school in a place that was not particularly welcoming to people who did not have white skin. Although I'm sure that people noticed me before this time, I'm struck while reflecting on this question by the realization that none of it has much brightness or light in my memory. Sometime shortly after school began, we three kids were taken to meet the piano teacher my dad had found for us, Mrs. Ronald. She was an old white-haired lady who lived in a white bread type of home, a widow. And although the essence of her home was foreign to me, there was something rather comforting about it. The piano was in the basement, and we would go downstairs one at a time for our lessons, while the other two would sit and do their homework or watch TV in her living room. 
I didn't know that I had a particular talent with the piano until a couple of months later when she registered me for the Kiwanis Festival. I didn't even know what it was. All I knew was that I was going to play a song we had practiced, and so I did. To my surprise, I won the silver award. She was delighted, and so was my dad. I was a bit bewildered. After all, I was only nine years old. And that was the beginning of a rich time where music was an anchor for me in what were, what were pretty tumultuous years. I'm so grateful to Mrs. Ronald for really seeing me and for fiercely loving me through those years. Many years later, after I had ceased my lessons, because it wasn't cool to do piano as a teenager, I ran into Mrs. Ronald at a fast food place in downtown Kingston. I went over to say hello and immediately realized something wasn't quite right. It turned out she and her second husband were in a terrible car accident. He was killed and she sustained severe head injuries. Although she did not remember my name, she took one look at my hands and told me she remembered me. She said she always dreamt of my hands so beautiful upon the keys. And that was a time when I remember being seen, an early time in my life. And so let me welcome my guest, Laura Lesher, without whom uh, this wouldn't have happened. I wouldn't have thought to tell you this story about being seen. Uh, Laura is a dear friend who I've known for, I think, about three years. Um, I met her through our, our shared interest in the Leadership Circle uh, profile and work. And I was graced to be able to travel to the West Coast where Laura lives because she had arranged for me to deliver some training to people that she works with. And the very first time I went to Oregon to see you, Laura, I remember something that you said to me. Um, I believed that some certain part of my life was kind of over and I wasn't going to ever kind of worry about that part of my life. And you reminded me that uh, actually anything is possible. And so again, I had the blessing to be seen by you, Laura. Thank you so much for joining me here today. Welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here. It's great to have you. Now, you chose this topic of being seen, and you've already brought me to tears without even saying a word. <laughs> um, what, what's so important about this for you? What's so powerful about being seen for me is the, both my own experiences of feeling really seen and known and my privilege as a coach to sometimes open the door and see the light that is in, within others and maybe bring their attention to something that was maybe out of their consciousness and just needed someone to reflect it back to them. It sounds like something must have happened with you, um, maybe early days, maybe not so early days, that, that um, illuminated how important this is. Can you tell us about that? Well, early on when I became a coach, um, I had an experience with a group of managers um, and we were doing usual things that we would do. Um, and at that point, I was doing organizational development um, across a uh, public agency and noticed in a meeting a manager who, no matter what was said or offered or um, extensions to try to serve her needs, she came back hostile, um, mm. even belligerent. And so I made an appointment with her afterwards and to just see what was going on with her. And I asked, basically, you know, I observed this hostility, this, this um, 
not being accepting of other people's um, opinions or offerings, and I'm wondering what's going on with you. And she began to cry. Mm. Um, and it, as, it, as it unfolded, this person had worked in this agency for 20 years, and it had many, many woundings. Um, part of it was being female, part of it was the particular technical expertise she had, but many, many woundings. And um, as we talked about it, we came to her having two choices in this. She could forgive the organization or she would need to leave. Mm. Um, Because continuing to be angry and hostile um, was not going to serve her or make anything better for anyone else. Um, So after an hour, over an hour where she just sobbed and cried about all of the pain... I invited her to look at her vision for her long-term life and her long-term career and the contributions she wanted to make nationally and in the organization before she retired, if she should choose to stay, whatever that would look like. Um, So probably in two weeks, she came back, and she had pages and pages of vision about Hmm. she and her soon-to-be husband, although at that time they weren't engaged, um, and her career and national forums. And so we met for an hour and we talked through this vision and this plan for the vision. And I didn't see her again for five or six years. Wow. And I got an email. And she had tracked me down. I was working in another place. She tracked me down to thank me for those two visits. Um, she said they had led to her living into that vision. And she recounted all the things that had happened about building a dream home and retiring and working for a very prestigious um, consulting firm and how those two conversations of telling the truth and inviting her into what she wanted had been transformational. Wow. Six years later. Wow. That's a... Yeah, go ahead. I I cried. I mean, I thought... I. I spent two hours with a person um, and just was curious and let them tell their story. Yeah. So you were able to see past her hostility or the the front that she presented. Yeah, yeah. It was, you know, I, I think for seeing someone, whatever it is, is if there's a mismatch between what they're showing and what's happening around them. Mm. that there may be something underneath that might be invited to be looked at. The other thing that strikes me as you tell this story and reflect on it is it's not only seeing, it's then having the courage to ask, Mm -hmm. to say, I'm noticing this dissonance, if you like, Mm -hmm. um, between what you're saying or or what's happening here and how you're being or how you're behaving. Um, What's going on? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I think it's, I think when people are around professional coaches, they expect us to ask things. Um, Mm -hmm. And we have a lot of permission to ask things, but I don't think it has to be that way. Mm -hmm. I think we can all ask. So at that time, were you acting in your capacity as a a professional coach? 
I was, and I had okay. actually invited her into that. I said, let's have a coaching meeting. Oh, okay. And I yeah. think she kind of thought she was going to get taken to the woodshed. Oh, um, right. You know, it's like, wow, I was really aggressive, and now, you know, our internal coach is going to um, let me have it. But yeah. that wasn't the purpose. The purpose was yeah. to find out what was underneath so much, so much pain, right? Mm-hmm. I knew there was something there. I didn't know what it was, and, you know, as soon as we talked... The, the tears told me it was it was wounding. So the um, the th- things I'm pulling out so far, I, I guess I'm in this mode of pulling out threads, and there are three threads I see so far in your story: um, curiosity, courage, courage or courageousness, and compassion. Because you didn't take her to the woodshed; you sat down and, and asked her a question. Yeah. And it, it sounds like you asked her that question with great tenderness, as opposed to. What's up with you? What's going on? What's wrong with you? Let's yeah. see what we can fix here. <laughs> or, or the whole question of, that's totally inappropriate behavior in an organization. You know, I mean, right. like that gets anywhere. Yes, yeah, smarten <laughs> up, move on, you know, button up, go. Okay. Wow. Uh, um, you know, I think being curious um, with compassion, um, I use a, a term of, I feel like for me when I do great coaching is when I've thrown my heart over the fence to the other person. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I love that. I read that in in the episode description, throw your heart over to the other person. Yeah. Yeah. People need more love. Mm. And even if you don't know them, you know, in sort of the traditional sense, um, a little bit of kindness and a little bit of love go so far. Such a tremendous way. You know, I hope that some of my um, colleagues who work in corporate environments are listening to you. I often hear people say, you know, we can't talk about love at work, and yet the entire context for your work is an organizational life. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is in that, in that uh, realm. Hey, you don't have to necessarily say it out, out loud, right? Yeah. Yeah, um, it can it can be this presence of courage and curiosity and compassion. Um, you don't have to actually tell someone you're bringing them a cup of water into the desert; they'll know it. Yeah, that's beautiful. Well, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll hear more about seeing and being seen with our guest Laura Lesher. I'm Shamin Sadik, and this is Stories from the Heart of Leadership. We'll be right back. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Hi, I'm Joe Swedish, CEO of WellPoint. We proudly support the March of Dimes and all they do to reduce the rate of premature birth in the United States. Though premature births have recently declined, still half a million babies are born too soon each year. We're helping the March of Dimes fund cutting-edge research and community programs that help moms and their babies live healthier lives. Please visit MarchofDimes.com and join us in working together for stronger, healthier babies. Could your business be doing better? In today's economy, results are dependent on your leaders. And you know effective leaders outperform ineffective leaders every time. 
The Leadership Circle Profile Assessment enhances effectiveness in leadership. It's the only 360 that reveals what's going on with your manager, why it's happening, and what actions to take for positive change. Want to improve business? We have the system and the breakthrough tools to make it happen. For a free demo, visit theleadershipcircle.com. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Listening to stories from the heart of leadership. If you have a question or comment, or just want to find out more about our program, please send Shamin an email. Her email address is shamin at anjaliLeadership.com. That's S H A H M E E N at A N J A L I Leadership.com. Now, back to stories from the heart of leadership. Welcome back. We're here with Laura Lesher and we're talking about being seen. Well, it sounds so funny to say we're talking about being seen because being seen isn't uh, always about talking. It's sometimes about sensing and uh, also about heart and compassion as we're hearing. And on that topic for a moment, um, what do I want to tell you about? Well, I want to tell you about something that happened last week. It was um, my, my first power circle outside of Toronto and I was blessed to have 13 people in Chicago together. And I wanted to just read to you a couple of uh, comments that I heard from people. Uh, they were willing to share their testimonials, if you like, about what made this so great. I'm telling you this because we're going to be doing this again for two days, probably in August. You'll have to stay posted on uh, com to find out when it's actually happening. Uh, here's what they said. The chance to connect with other people in deeper conversations was extremely powerful and nourishing. We can provide tremendous support to one another through these more compassionate connections. Another person says, this workshop profoundly shifted something I had not not embraced about myself. To powerfully stand in the gift of my uniqueness with an invitation to access it and let it show up in my life and in my life's work. So I think these are directly aligned to what we're talking about here, Laura. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the chance to connect in deeper conversations, to have more compassionate connection with each other. That's what being seen has to offer. And I think touching people um, where a place maybe they don't even have compassion for themselves is an interesting opening that can completely shift a perspective. You know, it was, um, it's in the everyday. You know, it's, it's in the things that are almost the throwaways, I'm noticing. So somebody was um, apologizing for being late and, and you know, for, uh, well, just apologizing for being who, who this person actually is. It's not that the person's late, but the person has their unique way. And some of us are more buttoned up and, you know, more kind of uh, prim and proper. Others are a little bit more relaxed and some are on the, the other end of the spectrum, uh, less organized, more in the moment. And uh, it was just the noticing of that, that that is this person's unique way. This is their unique gift. And had, had that person tried to show up in a way that was not authentic, not herself, we wouldn't have even known. So I just thought it was, um, I just think it's ironic and it's beautiful. Yeah, I, this idea of sort of who we are and the throwaways, 
what what brought me to this topic was I had a powerful experience of being seen. Um, I was in the office and and relatively new with one of our new coaches, and I was making some comment before I ran off to a meeting about the 10 years that I was married and how most of that time I was profoundly unhappy. Mm-hmm. And this new coach asked me, um, why did you stay? And I, I said, well, you know, I thought I had to. I, um, I, I sort of said to myself, well, I've done this and I must stay, and it's just the way. And, and I, I, I made the remark of how dumb was that? How, how dumb was it for me to stay? And she looked at me and she said, I don't experience you as dumb at all. I experience you as hopeful. Wow. It was so powerful for me. It was like the healing balm of a divorce that was more than 20 years old. Wow. Wow. That is so beautiful. One person's dumb is another person's hopeful. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It was so compassionate, so gentle, so kind, and it reframed an experience for me. And I stopped. I was actually late for my meeting because I said, hmm, I had seen it as such a waste of time in my life. And there is nothing I would give up for the hopeful part of me. It's a part of me that I want to keep. And so I've paid a particular cost for my hopefulness. But it's such a different view to see that as just a part of myself that I love so much. Hopeful. Now, in addition to how moving it is to hear you speak it. I'm also struck and filled with gratitude for this, this coach who had the willingness and the courage again, the courage to say that out loud. I mean, you're a pretty powerful woman. You have a powerful role and you are the kind of person that I know um, if you want to make something happen, talk about hopeful and resilient, you make it happen. So for her to say that to you, that takes a certain amount of uh, courage and and resilience too. Yeah. And I would say so in tune with her heart and with mine in the conversation. So instead of letting it be a throwaway conversation, like you said, yeah, she took it deeper by being willing to speak what she saw yes. and staying curious and compassionate. Yes. Yes. Wow. That's beautiful. Yeah. You know, I've seen you do that. Well, I've seen you do it with me, and I've seen you do it with uh, those who are entrusted into your care in the Ascent program. And I think it's, it is one of the, the, the gifts that you bring. Mm. Well, it's a powerful gift to receive. So I, I hope it is one that I bring of, um, you know, not letting what appears to be ordinary just go by when there's a chance to create deeper connection um, a chance to open something up that needs to be either released or understood more fully. 
you know, I feel compelled to share the story. I, I alluded to this story in my intro, but I, I feel like I have to share it now um, with the list with our listeners because um, what you need to know about Laura, if you're listening today, is that I wouldn't I wouldn't be open to relationship with uh, another romantic partner had she not opened my eyes to the possibility. I was a year and a half, separated for a year and a half when we were having this conversation. And I said to her, you know, where am I going to meet someone? Like, you know, I mean, I'm busy, I'm working. I just, I don't need to worry about relationship. I'll just be single forever. It's fine. I'm not going to meet anyone anyway. I mean, where would I meet anyone? In the grocery store? And Laura, you said, you might meet someone in the grocery store. (laughs) <laughs> and it was just like you again you could have just thrown it away and said oh yeah you're right you know it's better to just you know hang in and you'll you know you'll be okay by yourself you said well you might meet someone there and it, it was a small statement it was a moment in time and it changed everything because i it it opened me from this is not a part of my life that i need to put any energy into it's not possible it's probably never going to happen to anything could happen Anything is possible. Yeah. Life-changing moment there. Oh, well, you know, I, it, in, I remember the conversation and I thought, my goodness, Shamin is such a beautiful, vital, energetic, amazing human being. I can actually see someone deliberately misplacing something in your cart so that they could talk with you. <laughs> Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, you know, I'm thinking we maybe we should have called this episode the, the smallest moments or the, oh. the smallest statement. I mean, this is, we're not talking about rocket science here. And yet it can so rock your world. Yeah. Um, you know, from anything is possible to, you know, you have a heart filled with hope to, you know, go get your vision. You know, what, whatever is available is such an opportunity. Um, that person who is late to the workshop, for them to just own and revel in that they're a human of spontaneity and fluidi- fluidity and, um, and grace without yeah. it being sort of tight or brittle is yes. an amazing thing. Yes. Yes. And... Um, I, what I'm noticing is that it's the slowing down. There's even in the way that you speak, Laura, on the show today, there's the slowness, the thoughtfulness. Um, it's a groundedness that I think serves you really well and serves those who come into your presence really well. Thank you. Yeah. I'm, uh, I, I know our listeners, I, I sense that my listeners are, many of them are coaches who work in um, leadership coaching or executive coaching. So I trust that the, the way in which we're talking about this is going to resonate with them. But this is true, not only for us who work in this professional capacity, but this is something that I think um, humans in general could stand to build more of, more slowing down, more um, expressing what they see in others uh, being courageous enough to state something when they feel it or see it. What do you think about that? Oh, I, I think it's, um, it can be powerful in any moment. And, you know, I've had this experience. Um, this weekend I was picking up a couple of things on Mother's Day morning and, and went to the grocery store that I usually go and the man that works there on Sunday mornings. And, and he wished me Happy Mother's Day. And I stopped and slowed down and said, 
you know, six years ago I lost my mother. Are you spending time with your mother today? And he looked so sad at that, um, like he so didn't want to hurt me. Mm-hmm. And um, we ended up having this beautiful conversation about the gifts of our mothers and um, that they remain gifts even when we say goodbye to them from this plane. And his mother is, is still here, and, and I'm hoping that it brought a new perspective and maybe more gratitude expressed to having some part of the day that he would be with the woman who brought him to this planet. <laughs> I don't know, you know. Wow. It, was a, it was a conversation yeah. at the grocery store. But we yeah. seem to have a really fantastic connection. Um, and I think it's always available to all of us. Um, I, I know there's hundreds of times in a day I blow past it, but those moments when I have the sense to not create yeah. something different. You're really onto something here. Uh, the I, I go to there's a sort of a probably a ten kilometer radius around my house around my home and and I do it, most of what I need to do within that ten kilometers. The school, uh, get gas, get groceries, uh, you know, all my clothing shopping, whatever I need to do, and. Wherever we go, like actually, my kids have stopped asking this, but they used to ask me, "Do you know that person?" And I would say, "Well, like, do you?" I'm not friends with them. I have never met them before, but you're talking to them as if you know them. And I think it's just, it's just, I believe that we're all part of the human family. And I too, I'm not perfect. I blow by people all the time, and sometimes I get gnarly and can snap at at people who are trying to serve me. But uh, the when I again like you when I can slow down when I can um, sink into the moment that I'm in I can make I can find these beautiful connections all over the place that are gifts that go in in multiple directions between the two of us who are speaking and most certainly beyond. It it is an amazing thing and it doesn't take a lot of time. You're right. Um, you know, busy, full lives and. And we get into a place of rush, rush, and yet it doesn't really take a lot of time to take a breath with a person and look in their eyes. And just if all you say is thank you in that breath and that look in their eyes, something is different in that. Mm -hmm. Um, People stop being a commodity and become human. And, And we recognize the human connection in us and how much we need it. Absolutely. Absolutely. We need it uh, in both directions, too. We need to be the ones seeing, and we also need to be seen. You know, I was just thinking about the neuroscience book. I didn't realize this was going to um, be so important today, but these are the benefits of positive feelings, and these positive feelings come from acknowledgement and connection and being seen. So let me say them again, and these are only a few. I just pulled a few out of uh, a particular chapter. Stronger immune system, uh, cardiovascular benefits, lifts our mood, increases uh, optimism and resilience. I wonder what it does for productivity. I wonder what it does for business results. I mean, these are the things that that some people would say are kind of the soft things or the not-so-important things, the niceties of talking about the weather. Actually, that little conversation about the weather 
could make a huge difference to your bottom line. If people feel well, if people are healthy, if people are productive and engaged and happy to be at work. And what if a person is in a really particularly rugged time of their life? Which happens, right? Uh, People have a loss or they have someone they love that's ill um, or they're having any kind of difficulty that is the human condition um, and they suffer silently um, or it's not known. And for those moments when it's so very difficult, I mean, I, I describe it as it's heroic to get out of bed in the morning and begin again. Mm-hmm. And we all have those seasons, mm-hmm. and we never know the person be- before us might be having one of those seasons. So the smallest amount of kindness, of real connection, of authentically being with the person in the one, two, or five minutes that we're with them can make the difference for them that is profound or for us. Yeah. It sounds like you've, you've, been, you've been saved or you've been seen in a moment like that yourself. Oh, gosh. I, I, um, gosh, I, I think about um, the particular day of one particular rugged time, and it was very intimate. It was my sister and I. My sister is my best friend. Um, when I was very young, I had a um, beloved die of cancer way, way, mm. way too soon. He died mm. at 30 years old. Mm. And the day I got the news, my sister gathered me up. She's bigger than I am. You know, she's 5'10", and I'm 5'2". She gathered me up and just basically set me in her lap and cradled me. And I was just broken apart. I was just broken apart. And I cannot think of a more appropriate gift than to just cradle someone when they're so devastated. And it doesn't have to be that far on the Richter scale. It, It can be something as as gentle as that breath with the person and to thank you for whatever it is, the service exchanged or a smile on the street. It can be a lifeline to a human. Hmm. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. You know, Araya Mountain Dreamer has a poem called The Invitation and in it she essentially says, I want to know if you can sit with with pain, mine or yours, and not move to change it or fix it. To just sit with me in the in the muck that I'm in, uh, uh, can can we do that? And that's what your sister was able to do for you that day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, beautiful. maybe that's maybe that's the gift of whatever pain we've been through, is yeah. that we can actually be with that pain with another. Absolutely, because, because we know it won't break us. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, juicy stuff. Uh, We're going to take another break, but when we come back, we'll hear more about seeing and being seen and um, how the the healed or the wounded and the healed help to wound, help to heal other wounds. I think that's what we're talking about, Laura. So I'm here with Laura Lesher and it's Shamin Sadiq, Stories from the Heart of Leadership. We'll be right back.
We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. What does success mean to you? Is it being just like the person on the other side of the fence where the grass is supposedly greener? We harbor too many feelings of envy and suppressed anger targeted at others, and it's holding us back from our success. Tune in to Wealthy Thoughts with Richard Levy. Just by listening, you'll be empowered to make positive lifestyle changes to live the successful life that you deserve to live. Wealthy Thoughts can be heard every Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Could your business be doing better? In today's economy, results are dependent on your leaders. And you know, effective leaders outperform ineffective leaders every time. The Leadership Circle Profile Assessment enhances effectiveness in leadership. It's the only 360 that reveals what's going on with your manager, why it's happening, and what actions to take for positive change. Want to improve business? We have the system and the breakthrough tools to make it happen. For a free demo, visit theleadershipcircle.com. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. You are listening to stories from the heart of leadership. If you have a question or comment or just want to find out more about our program, please send Shamin an email. Her email address is shamin at anjaliLeadership.com. That's S-H-A-H-M-E-E-N at A-N-J-A-L-I leadership.com. Now, back to stories from the heart of leadership. Welcome back to Stories from the Heart of Leadership. I'm Shamin Sadek. I'm joined by Laura Lesher today, leader of the Ascent Program. Uh, but before we jump back into our conversation, I want to acknowledge my sponsors. One of the things that I continue to be so grateful for is to have such a, a, a wide circle of extraordinary colleagues. Laura is included in that circle, and as well as my three sponsors, Jim Anderson, Dan Holden, and the Leadership Circle, uh, the community that I am, a company that I'm proud to be associated with, and a community that I'm proud to be a member of as well. And while we're on the topic of the Leadership Circle, if you are a professional coach, Coach who coaches um, leaders and executives or does organizational development and learning and development, you might be interested in attending the Leadership Circle Profile Certification. I'm teaching June 11th to 13th in the Washington, D.C. area and October 1st to 3rd in Denver, Colorado. So join us there, uh, theleadershipcircle.com for more information. So Laura, one of the things that keeps coming up for me uh, in my work is, well, this stuff is all great. This, all this feeling stuff about, you know, being courageous and compassionate and acknowledging, it's all great. What does it have to do with us at work? And I, I find myself making the link often. I wonder, what do you see? Because you work primarily with leaders in, a, in an organizational setting. How does this stuff translate, this being seen? Um, I think, I think the primary ones for me are purpose, values, and vision. Mm. Um, I work with many leaders and have over the years people that are tremendous performers, uh, people that solve very difficult problems, work in really complex systems, 
And yet, they don't have language for their own reason for being here on the planet, let alone in this organization. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they may not have language for the values that guide them um, or for the vision that they hope to create. And just as we would never imagine having a business that doesn't have a vision statement, a purpose statement, and a value statement, many people go through their lives without really being clearly able to articulate those things. Um, And what I have seen over the years is that when leaders get super clear about why they're here and what are the values that will guide the operation of their life and their interactions, they come into a whole different level of power and passion and contribution. And so that invitation to speak to a person about when we see them full of life Mm -hmm. and full of grace and full of power can leave the, the, the breadcrumbs, if you will, for what might be their purpose. Um, and that, that ability to speak into it's like, hmm, you know, my experience of you is that you are a person who can create cooperations out of goodwill um, by being present. Or um, my experience of you is that you give people the courage to uh, speak their mind or the freedom or the safety to do so. And so I think this ability of, of looking at how the person comes alive on purpose, even if they don't have language for it, can be a tremendous gift of seeing another. You know, one of the things that I think about often is um, uh, a group that I worked with. They were they were very tired. They were very downtrodden. They complained a lot about all the problems that they had. Um, they didn't feel supported. They didn't feel valued. And so much of their existence was defined by this feeling of uh, exhaustion and powerlessness that they'd actually forgotten why they were there in the first place. Mm. So I appreciate you pointing to this notion of purpose and values and vision. Um, that's how we got them um, back on track, if you like. We helped them to get connected to the reason they were there in the first place mm-hmm. because they had lost that. And it turned out the reason they were there is because they cared so much about their um, constituents, their customers. Mm-hmm. They wanted their customers to be safe and in order to be uh to be safely and properly served, accurately served by their organization, the project that they were working on was crucial. It was a necessary ingredient. And it didn't take away the things that were making them frustrated, but it did actually, again, back to the neuroscience, um, all of their focus was on the negative. All of their focus was on the things that weren't working. And I'm wondering if as in addition to the good things that happen from the positive feelings, if there's, and I'm, I'm not wondering, I'm pretty sure that the tr- the, there's probably research to support that focusing on all the things that are going wrong can probably have the opposite impact. It can probably make people, you know, not as healthy, not as resilient, not as optimistic. And that was certainly the case with them. So when we added back in, and here's why we're doing this, it gave them an additional, um, it buoyed them, it gave them, gave them some more energy. Yeah, I think the questions that we ask of each other and the questions that we ask of ourselves are more important than we can imagine. If, if we're in the habit of asking ourselves, why is this hard? Um, 
our brain will go fetch all of those facts. If we ask ourselves, how is this amazing? Mm-hmm. Our brain will go and fetch that too. Um, and, and so I think working towards a vision can be so empowering for a person and so energizing that those other distractions or irritations can fall away. And that's not to say they don't happen. Um, Here in our program, we have a saying that if you're feeling like, you know, you are in horse manure up to your eyebrows, look around for the 10 ponies that certainly must be here and (laughs) ride every one of them. That every single one of those really icky challenges is filled with opportunities if you'll turn a different look at them. Mm. Mm. And it's not the first place we go. Yeah. Our brain, the first thing that goes is like, this is awful. Right. Right. And the more closely you can follow that by, obviously, there are a lot of ponies here. Let's determine that we're going to find 10 opportunities in this situation before we're done with the day. I love that. I love that. Um, you know, uh, I, I keep mentioning my personal life on this radio show. It seems to be um, a venue for me to talk about myself in all realms. And I happen to be uh, in relationship with this with this really very positively oriented man. And I'm going to tell him what you just told me. But he's, you know, I often, when things are kind of hard, like yesterday, I was so tired and my family was here and I was grouchy and exhausted mm-hmm. And I kept thinking, I, I made it through the day. It was actually not a terrible day. I just felt terrible for a moment. But um, I kept thinking all day long when I speak to him at the end of the day, he'll remind me to look. He'll point me in the positive direction. He'll find the positive in this and show it to me. And I so appreciate that because I think even I do that a lot for others. I think it's an occupational hazard that I don't. we don't do it for ourselves first. And um, uh, that's certainly the truth with me. I can often go to the very, the very dismal outlook on things and focus on all the horse manure that I'm in yeah. and forget completely about about the opportunities, about the other side of it, turning to look at it in a different from a different perspective. Yeah, that practice of Rick Hansen's of at the end of the day asking ourselves the question, what went well today? Yeah. It it yeah, I've been using that as it, as it turns out. We hadn't talked about this, but as it turns out, I've been using that uh, process for about the last four months. And what's interesting is I now, because I know every every evening I'm going to have the conversation with myself about what went well today, yeah. is that now I'm on the lookout all day long for what went well. Oh, I and, love that. And it's an amazing thing to be on the lookout for. Oh. And what are you learning as you look there? What I'm finding is that is that gratitude is available always, mm. um, and that the most simple things are frequently the most beautiful. Um, something that is very well written, um, a a phone call that is exactly the piece of information that was needed next, suddenly being introduced to someone who opens up something that you've been trying to find a way into for so, so long. Um, the beautiful, the beauty in the world. I mean, there's so many things that, that it's a different lens to look through, um, just, like, just like the lens of compassion and courage and curiosity to look at another. 
this idea of the lens of what's working well in this moment. I, uh, my own experience has been that it has absolutely worked on, in a positive way on my well-being. And it's such a simple practice and yet so beneficial. You know, I think I'm going to create a, a, a picture of that or a, some sort of statement. Uh, uh, what went really well? Uh, what am I so happy about? What made me happy today? And the other question you asked that I just love is, how is this amazing? Mm-hmm. How is this amazing? Uh, I think I'm going to make a practice out of that for me and my kids too. And perhaps all my coaching clients are going to have this as part of their homework <laughs> after our next call. Oh, I love this. Yeah. I love this. And maybe it's this whole idea of seeing another person, of, of noticing what's amazing about them. Because for them, it might be quite ordinary. Yeah. Yeah. They may miss it completely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I, I miss it all the time about myself. I'm always... Uh, you know, there's a line between uh, humble and um, horse manure, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I talk about this in, in my training a lot. There's there's a way in which this can e- even be reflected in someone's uh, assessment results. The diff- there's a different, it looks different depending on what it is, and uh, and I I sometimes uh, have trouble distinguishing between those two myself. So I had a lot of. Um, I had the the good fortune and the honor to work with about 26 or so um, incredible human beings over the course of the last four business days. And many of them uh, gave me, you know, their their feedback. And I noticed at the beginning of of this, I was sort of deflecting it, deflecting it. And I mean, I wasn't deflecting it completely. I wasn't saying it's not me, but I was not, not really allowing myself to take it in. And uh, I, I gradually shifted into allowing them to say it and me to say thank you. Uh, but I think, I think sometimes the lens that we look at ourselves through is one where we fail to recognize how amazing we actually are. Mm-hmm. And it only takes allowing uh, that in from someone else. Someone else being um, heartfelt and courageous enough to speak it out loud and then us being open enough to let it come into our hearts. Yeah, someone said some years ago about the the wisdom begins in the in the state of observer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wonder about that if we can, you know, not sort of think of our perspective from our own eyes or a person that we're engaged with, but to stand as a third party and observe is is maybe it maybe is true that it's the state of wisdom, and yet we can be this observer for each other. And then what's required on our parts, like you discovered, is to receive. Yeah. Yeah. To become soft enough to let it land, to take it into our hearts, to receive the gift that someone has taken the time and the thoughtfulness to give to us, to just say, yes, thank you so much. Well... I certainly say thank you very much, Laura, for giving us the gift of your presence today for this radio show. It has been an absolute delight to dance with you here. Oh, and my delight, too. Thank you, Shami. Thanks so much for being here. So, listeners, I have something for you to let simmer in the pot for the week. Two things. Um, write the story of a time that you recall someone noticed or saw you. And as you do that, reflect on what effect it had on you then and also what you notice now as you write or tell that story. 
And my second invitation to you is to take this practice that Laura and I have been discussing, the one that she's tried for the last four months. Ask yourself before you go to bed every night, what went well today? What made me happy today? And just see what happens. That's my invitation to you. Until next time, I wish you well and look forward to our next Stories from the Heart of Leadership. This is Shamin Sadiq. Thank you so much for being with us and see you next time. Thank you so much for joining us today for Stories from the Heart of Leadership. Shamin Sadiq will be back next Monday with another extraordinary guest at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We hope you'll come back as well. Have a terrific week. And remember, you are not alone.